Welcome to the Orgasmic Lifestyle Podcast by Venus O'Hara. I'm here to welcome you into the world of orgasmic living by hosting experts to discuss orgasmic topics such as nutrition, spirituality, personal development, sexuality, and much more. Here, we will offer lifestyle lessons that can help you lead a fulfilling, joyous, and orgasmic lifestyle. I'm your guide, Venus O'Hara. Welcome to the 25th episode of the Orgasmic Lifestyle Podcast by Venus O'Hara. In this new moon episode, I'll be discussing the sexual wellness business, consent, and abortion rights. We'll be speaking to Heather Montgomery, the founder of PleaseMe.com. Then, I'll be discussing the book I'm reading now, which is Coffee with Colby, 365 Days of Fresh Brewed Spirit Inspiration by Colby Rebel. And finally, we'll be experiencing a guided meditation with affirmations for body autonomy. But first, let's talk about my own view on abortion rights. feel really nervous sharing my opinions or perspective on abortion rights. I was asked about this a year ago on a radio station here in Barcelona and I shared my views which I will share with you in a few moments. When I got home from the the radio interview I received a very long email from one of my followers who told me that she found my views to be offensive and I was thinking, oh my God, I mean, I do talk about provocative content, but my my objective is never, ever, ever to offend anyone, even though in life that can be kind of impossible. But the thought that I had offended someone with my views, which I thought were quite reasonable, was eye-opening, to say the least. Anyway, this particular follower told me that she was born with a genetic disorder that a lot of people who are pregnant... Um, who find out their fetus has this disorder. I quite don't even remember what it was. But she said that they were often aborted. And she felt that what I had shared was like saying that she wasn't, she didn't deserve to be alive or something. And that was the implication. And I was thinking, no, that's not what I thought. That's not what I was thinking at all. And I felt really sad for her. Because I think um, this is a very, very complex topic but given what's been happening over the last few weeks and just this last few days especially I feel like I really do have to share my own perspective um I don't feel obliged I just want to I just think I I just feel a calling to actually share what I do feel what I do think about this and remember four years ago when they had the referendum in Ireland I felt very very um emotional when that happened because I was brought up Irish Catholic with kind of you know, that you're not supposed to have sex, you're not supposed to enjoy sex, and abstinence is the only way, and if you don't do that, then you're a bad person. And and even though that's pretty terrible, um, that is what has inspired me to become a sexual wellness content creator, and I don't think that sex is a sin, I think sex is natural, and I do feel that sex is beautiful. It, it's not always like that, it can be 
you know, not not so beautiful sometimes. I think you have to choose carefully who you're having sex with and make sure you like them and they like you and they respect you and um, that's very, very important. And yeah, so that's the first thing really. I think there's a lot of, um, I think abortion is something that should be available as a last resort, but I think there should be other things in place to kind of prevent that situation from happening. And it all starts with sex education. I think it's very important to have a proper sex education and not be, not have your head in the sand when it comes to education about contraception. I mean, I went to a Catholic school and they didn't tell us anything. It was all about marriage and, um, you know, they didn't tell us that we had to be virgins and we're getting married, but it was all about, you know, there's no, the, the only methods were available were like pulling withdrawal and the rhythm method. And, you know, that's not really what we should be teaching people. And then there was, you know, after school, there's, um, a year after, there's a few people who are already pregnant at the age of 16. And that's not really, because um, they, they were, we know not, we're not kind of informed about a lot of these things about contraception. Whereas in the Protestant school down the road, they're putting condoms on cucumbers. And I think that, um, you know, we cannot be uh, in denial about um, the existence of sex or the desire to have sex. And then making people feel bad about it is not really the way um, to address this. And I think the first, first and foremost, we should be encouraging um, people to have self-respect, self-love and um, to teach them about boundaries and consent and to only do things that they genuinely want and desire and then to have information about all the different types of contraception how to use them and available contraception because i mean in in the uk i mean i used to get free condoms but i mean to actually acquire the education that i do have about um, contraception and safe sex etc i found it in women's magazines it wasn't from school and everyone should have this information i had a natural curiosity about it whereas not everyone does but this is and we only had one or two classes in the whole of school. I mean, this is something that is the, the the kind of basis of life. I mean, it's so important. We make so many decisions based on our sexuality, on um, our emotional life as well. And, and to, just to give two classes to it. I mean, how often in your life are you going to use algebra? Whereas you're doing that every week in maths, whereas sex education and um, personal in education and... Um, it's just so, so, so important. So that's the starting point. You know, we should have proper education about um, everything, everything to do with sex, sexual orientation, about about um, pregnancy, about um, even abortion, all the different types of uh, what an abortion is, the different methods, etc., and about childbirth. I mean, some we didn't get to see uh, childbirth videos at school, but I mean, some people do do as part of their sex education. I definitely think it, it's a good good thing. And then I think there should be some more systems in place for people who find themselves in a situation where they are pregnant. And, um, you know, maybe if, you know, people say you can have the baby and give it up for adoption, but um, how much support is there really for people to do that? I mean, I, I would say it would be nice to have more support for that, to, for people in that situation. They could have, you know, psychological support, um, financial support, and yeah, all all the help that they can, they can uh, they they need really because it's uh, 
I mean, I don't think we should be criticizing uh, women who find themselves in this situation. I think they should be supported 100%. And yes, yeah, so I think with the correct personal responsibility and the responsibility from the state and, and educational establishments, then, then the abortion should really be a last resort because if everyone's educated and everyone is, is you know, honoring consent and boundaries, then hopefully there would be less um, unwanted pregnancies. But I don't think anyone should be forced to have a pregnancy that they don't want to have or have a baby that they don't want to have because that is a lot um you know it's a big it's a big implication it's a big thing to happen to your body and to your mental uh, health it's I mean, and if you can't handle it and then you've got a baby growing inside you that you don't think that you can look after and it's you know preventing you from looking after yourself I, I just think it's not fair to to make someone have a, a child that they don't want to have and also um, if there isn't legal um abortion people find other ways to do it um that could be life-threatening which is obviously absolutely terrible and also when I obviously coming from an Irish background you hear all these stories of women who had to travel to the UK um, and that's I just can't imagine what it must have been like to to actually have to get on a plane or a ferry or whatever go to a private clinic and then heal in a hotel and, and then go home when you've got when you've just had this kind of intervention I mean it's just very Wow. Um, for me, myself, I have, um, this sounds really naive, what I'm about to say, but I kind of feel sometimes um, that it doesn't affect me that much. Or I've, I've always kind of, um, I've always been super um, um, careful with, with contraception. And I've also always used um, condoms and, and, um, and I've taken the pill as well in the past, sometimes both at the same time. I, I don't really... Uh, don't cross my fingers and and hope for the best I've just taken as much as many precautions as I possibly can but imagine if I was in a situation where a miracle happened and then even though I had taken all these precautions I got pregnant and I didn't really want to be with that person or that or have that child or god forbid if I if I was raped or something I just don't think that or or if um going through that pregnancy is going to be a threat to my life or um, it was going to be a situation that I wasn't going to be able to handle. I just don't think I should be, or anyone should be, forced to have it. But um, but yeah, for me, for myself, I have been, um, whenever I've had an accident, even the first time I ever had sex, which I've already shared on this uh, channel, um, on this podcast, I was in a situation where I was the victim of stealthing, where my first boyfriend removed the condom without telling me. And then I found myself, I said to him, I'm so wet. And he said, that's because you've got millions of sperm inside of you. And me that night, that was a Friday night, and I'll never forget it. I, I, I could hardly sleep. Um, I was a bit drunk, and then suddenly the the drunkenness wore off quite quickly. And I had to go to my family doctor to get to get the uh, morning after pill. And I have done that a few times when I have been in that situation. But it's very, you know, a lot of nausea, and I couldn't really tell my family or anyone what was going on but I just thought I had to do it just to try and prevent any further worry down the line but um, I think sometimes um, you know we can kind of think about the fetus or the baby but we are, we are born through women and um, this is a fact and, and, and we cannot um, force people to go through something like that if they don't feel that they are able to 
And I think um, it's so important to have um, abortion um, rights for anyone who needs it. And, and um, yeah, I just think it's uh, body autonomy is is basic right. Um, it really is important. I don't think I could have, um, if I was born in a different era without, you know, where there, there wasn't contraception like now or um, I don't think I would enjoy sex as much as I, as I do. Um, so I'm grateful to be born when I ha- am born in, in a time when, you know, I, I do love condoms as I've already shared many, many times here and I used to take the pill. So I think um, for me, I've never really been so like afraid of getting pregnant and also the times I have, you know, been at risk, I've always taken the morning after pill and thank God those things exist and the education I had, thank thankfully, was in magazines. I'm very well informed about it, and um, I had an, an interest in this subject that not many people have. And um, I think we all should be educated more and have the resources, the financial and mental, psychological resources to help people in this situation and not to judge them because you never know what someone's story is. You just don't know. And um, I think people need more support and understanding because it's not an ideal situation to be in by any means and I don't think people do it we know um it's you know there's a lot of pain involved emotional pain guilt and I think people need support not criticism who any anyone who decides to go through with an abortion but of course they need to be accessible for everyone who needs it now it's time for this episode's interview We'll be speaking to Heather Montgomery, the founder of PleaseMe.com. Okay, Heather. Hi, Heather. Welcome to the Orgasmic Lifestyle Podcast. I'm so excited to speak to you because you've been on my radar for many years now. I heard about PleaseMe several years ago and you are the founder of PleaseMe. Can you tell us what PleaseMe is? Yes, thank you. And it's a pleasure to be on your show. And I'm a huge fan of yours since I started creating Please Me. I've seen you do amazing things. And so thank you for having me. Um, Please Me is really a tool for us to uh, have access to a private portal where we can explore our sexuality, um, look for healing modalities, be entertained, um, and from the internet, you know, from the privacy of your own home. And it's also a connection to the community of people who are living their best, most sex positive lives. Um, And we're going to be having events and, you know, an NFT club with travel and lifestyle. And like, you know, I really wanted to help people explore and then bring it into real life and experience um, more pleasure in their lives. And so it's a portal to personal pleasure is really what it is. I went on it last night for the first time, actually. I thought it was very interesting because obviously sexuality is such a massive topic. There are many ways to live sexuality. And I guess um, I like the idea of these different worlds. And can you explain a bit more about that and how you created them? Yeah, I mean, when I first had the dream, which it was literally a dream in the middle of the night, the whole thing came to me as a download 10 years ago. And I was a little afraid of it. (laughs) but one of the things in the dream was the fact that how are we, how is this going to be a place that everyone would feel comfortable coming um, where they're going to see what it is that they like and be around people that have similar preferences and be able to really connect in a more 
you know, tailored and custom and curated community. And so I really just felt like there was more than just vanilla and kink. I mean, like what that was such two, two simple little words to describe such a wide spectrum of like preferences and lifestyles. Um, and so we, we created a team and we went through every item we could find that was a sexual activity and put them on the spreadsheet and kind of thought, what would keep somebody from going to the next world? What would be like a hard no, which is really interesting. That's really what it ended up being about. What would, what, where were people drawing lines on like hard no's? Um, and so that's, and we ran it by a bunch of different genders and age groups and people that live different lifestyles. So we made sure we weren't missing anything. And I'm sure we'll continue to learn and expand that. Um, but we really felt like there was like seven communities that were pretty significant or specific um, that ranged from very traditional to extreme sadomasochism. And then of course your Tantra, Kama Sutra, Kundalini crowd, yoga crowd. Um, being in there as well. So yeah, we had fun. We really did have a lot of fun creating the worlds. Yeah, I really found it interesting because I mean, my, my sexuality has evolved over the years. You know, obviously being in the sexual industry, the sexual wellness industry, that has uh, changed as well as a massive influence on me. And sometimes I don't want to be uh, exposed to certain types of content because I've just seen too much of it. And I really like that fact that I could be protected from things that, that make me feel sick rather than aroused. You know, like, like some of the S&M stuff. I used to be really into that years ago. And now I just think, oh, <laughs> I don't know. I find it a bit different since I had a spiritual awakening. I mean, I just have, have a very sure. different perception on it. And uh, yeah. yeah, well, that makes me very happy because my thought for myself, even when I was creating it was, I don't want to see what I don't want to see. You know, yeah. like I'm here to, I'm here to feel pleasure. And if then I see something like you said, that has the opposite effect of arousal or, you know, enjoyment, yeah. <laughs> I'm feeding the purpose, you know, like, oh God, didn't want to see Because that. I find yeah. in this industry, sometimes you, you just get things landing in your phone or your inbox that you don't necessarily want to see. Because <laughs> I think some people have this perception that everything goes, everything's okay, because it's all... We're promoting sexuality at the end of the day but I mean I just find I find I've become very sensitive to that now and I <laughs> mm -hmm. agreed agreed and I think that's the key right is that we all we want to create a world in which consent is the reality mind body and spirit so even looking at something is giving your consent you know right that you're willing to take that in and absorb that energy or that content or that that idea right absolutely um I was fascinated yeah, so by the idea that you, you had this. Uh, you had you had this. This came to you in a dream. Do you often have um, vivid dreams? Do you record your dreams? I mean, was it a recurring? I dream? have. I. It's the weirdest thing. I usually don't remember my dreams, which is why that was so incredibly significant, because I remembered it in such vivid detail. And it was like three in the morning. I sat up out of bed and I was just overwhelmed with what was that? You know, like what was that? Um, so much so that I did another thing I never do. I got up out of bed, went and got a piece of paper and a pen and wrote down as much as I could remember. Um, and then I went back to sleep <laughs> and then I got up like, you know, 8 a.m. a few hours, five hours later. And I was like still drawn right back to the piece of paper. And I went and I put it in a PowerPoint presentation. Like I tried to give it some color and some feeling and some, you know, like life. Um, and I still have that one from 10 years ago. And it's funny, I look back 
the original and not much has really changed oh, wow. <laughs> you know, like which is good it really held true to the vision that was you know shared with me I guess you would call it just yeah. last week I bought a notebook for my dream journal as well so I'm really excited to have it I have like I'm like tripping every night when I go to bed it's crazy there's lots of interesting thing happening I'm just thought I'm gonna start writing this down so maybe I'll get a great idea it's a, too. But it's interesting isn't it's it? it's a great practice I, I know a lot of people swear by dream journaling mm-hmm. you know that it it really impacts their lives in a big way I would love to I just don't I wake up and go well, I don't have to remember so I have to work on remembering my dreams first before I can journal them yeah so what, what industry were you in when this dream you had this dream Health and wellness um, and the medical uh, anti-aging, sexual wellness, uh, but more general health and wellness, um, age reversal, technology, stem cell therapy, uh, genetics, advanced lipids. And a lot of it ended up surfacing around sexual wellness because when people's cardiovascular systems are down or when they have diabetes or when they're you know, overweight, a lot of times their erectile function, libidos, you know, et cetera, that engine that runs the car, is it working right? So all the propellers stop spinning, <laughs> you know, like it, it's a sign when your sexual function goes that there's a bigger problem, you know, either emotionally or mm-hmm. physically. And so I found that kind of always being part of, of helping improve people's quality of life. But that's not really why I went into that. I went into that because my area of life that I had trouble with was mm-hmm. dating and relationships, okay. you know. And growing up in a very Christian uh, Midwestern home, I did not get a lot of uh, positive, pleasurable education about sex. It was more about what not to do and why not to do it and how scary it should be and how shameful you should feel. And so it took a long time before I was like, you know, this really is not working for me. (laughs) Not enough orgasms don't want to get married and divorced again. I'm kind of like you. I don't know if I really want to live with anybody ever again. Like I'm just, <laughs> I'm just like, and not because I'm afraid, because I really do enjoy being free and by myself and with the ability to, you know, love multiple people, I think, you know, when I want to. Yeah. I also had a religious upbringing, but I think that's, I'm, I'm kind of grateful to it because I think it's given me this incredible me perspective on, yes. on what it's like to be on the other side so to speak and um for sure and understand the problems and um I, sometimes, I do think that the you know the church is a great aphrodisiac as well all of that repression <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes if we were to be honest yes there's something about getting what you're not supposed to have right oh yeah definitely but now definitely. I'm spiritual I do see I do see it all as very divine and I you know I do feel that orgasms are connecting with God somehow you know oh yeah yeah. creativity and well it's what creates life how could it not Absolutely. be connecting with god i mean it's yeah. a miracle one in 400 trillion chance that we get born you know mm-hmm. and it happens during that right definitely <laughs> so but, i say holy shit yeah <laughs> it's god for sure <laughs> so i watched an interview yesterday and you said that you were quite worried about what people would think when you started a sexual wellness company but was there a specific moment when you thought i don't care what anyone else thinks i'm gonna go for it was there a specific moment or was it a gradual process? And if it was a moment, what was that moment like? Or what was the, the trigger? I climbed Mount Kilimanjaro with 18 women five years ago um, in, a, in a mutual pledge to show women that it was important to give themselves self-care and focus and you know work on their health and 
do things that they enjoy. And um, it was with the Real Housewives of New York. One of one of them was, you know, organizing it with some nonprofits and um, places in the space. And it was great. And I and I guess I just got to a point on the mountain. And I had never climbed anything but a bar stool before that. Like I was not a climber. <laughs> <laughs> and my friends were like, you're going to do, my kids were like, you're going to do what? Like, you know, I rollerblade and ski and do some sports, but not, not 19,341 feet in the air, you know? Um, and so it was very out of character for me and, and on the mountain, it was very difficult. It was not a, an easy thing. I mean, many people don't make it to the top. You know, some people even die on the way there. It's, it's not hanging off Mount Everest, but it is definitely an emotional and physical, you know, um, test. I guess. Where was this? You know, uh, Tanzania, Africa. Okay. Um, yeah, Mount Kilimanjaro. Yeah. So you on the mountain, better. and then you kind of had the realization, or what? I ha- I was on the mountain, and I decided, you know, fuck what people think. Like, you know, that this is something that will help people, and in, in that you need yourself, you know, like if you need it, then the chances are other people need it too. And, you know, you were asked to do this. It's been five years time up. Okay. (laughs) The timing is now like, let's go, like, just go do it. Um, And so I say that, but then, you know, another four months went into planning and reaching out to people that I really would want to work with me on the project and saying, this is what I want to do. And I can't imagine doing it without you. And would you come work for me for free 10 hours a week for the next three months until we finish our business plan and get some funding? Um, I went to nine people and four said yes. So that's how we started. Um, And then we've raised like 1.5 million so far. And we're about to work our way into NFTs and um, bringing, bringing more utility to that space and bringing the community back into hot events and sexy travel and great conferences and being face-to-face and connecting, you know, social well-being on the planet. So important. People are lonely and scared. We need to get back together and show the world what love is, you know? So that's our goal. Definitely. And what, how do you find the sexual wellness business? Is it what you expected? That's a great question. Um, I mean, I guess so. I, I expected that it was not going to be as easy as other industries. Um, reading and having known about the restrictions and advertising and banking and you know all the all the business challenges that regulatory concerns, legal concerns. There's there's a lot there, um, especially the technology companies. So that part of it is is definitely. Um, you know, more challenging than probably people even give credit for. <laughs> it just, it just really is difficult. Um, and there's a, there's a cultural and social taboo still out there. There's still a lot of discrimination against sexuality, right? Or discrimination against it being okay to be sexual, right? Um, and so you face a, a cultural, while we're shifting and changing and morphing, there's still a great resistance to that change. So that part has been fun though, because it's like, we've got a lot to do, but we have, we have something that we can help fix. You know what I mean? Like, so it's kind of um, inspiring and, and difficult at the same time, but it would be nice to get a lot more funding for this space mm-hmm. um, and to see more of the tech companies and big companies stand up and say, 
you know, we're jumping on the pride thing. We're, we're, we're jumping on me too, but, but we're still acting like sex doesn't happen. Mm. <laughs> like let's, let's start to change some, you know, like we should really, we need to start talking about this stuff. We need to start supporting people's needs in these areas and um, stop pretending it doesn't exist. So I think that's happening too, though. I think we're, we're, we're getting there and the younger generations are kind of demanding that of their. I think it's changed a lot. I mean, um, um, but I, over the years, I've been in this in, in industry now for 13 years and there's been massive changes. Uh, and, and I think yeah. I've seen so many people start up these online sex shops. I mean, I've seen millions mm-hmm. of them and none of them last. But I think people have this perception that sex sells and we see we're taught that sex sells but it doesn't sell itself alone you know you've got to really work and overcome all of these obstacles that you've been 100 percent yeah yeah and the biggest one i think is is women giving themselves permission to talk explore you know enjoy be proud step into it like we have our we have the bird in the cage syndrome a little bit sometimes with women where you open the doors and they're just like I don't know I'm afraid to fly out you know um is it am I going to be judged like I said I was afraid to start the company what was my family going to think or my kids going to face my my kids going to go to school and their school teachers go oh your mom's that lady you know are they going to get treated differently because that is was it um, you know what's interesting? I never, I, I never really got asked what I did. I just said I wanted to know. She go. I we never really. It never came out. I don't do a lot of posting of my kids on social media. I never did. I was kind of a private person, which is why I built an anonymous platform. <laughs> but um, <laughs> so I, I kind of always kept my private and my public life separate. I mean, my work and my private life separate. So, and my family didn't care at all. Oh, wow. which I was so, so interesting to me. They actually were very encouraging and but both my mom and my dad and not one person in my family has said, I can't believe you're doing this or anything like that. <laughs> Nobody, people in society have, but my family yeah. has not been one of them. Yeah. Because I found some judgment over the years with, with friends who I thought were open-minded and then they've been very judgmental towards me. I got rid of them, of course. But what I've, what surprised me the most is uh, how people perceive you to be an open person. They tell you their secrets, which is just all of them, isn't it? Oh my goodness! Every yeah. time I would tell people what I did, they would go, "Oh my god!" So <clears throat> I can tell you this, and I would be like, "Wait!" Sometimes it would just be a little bit TMI, like for maybe where I was at or <laughs> what I was doing, and I was like, "People really do want to talk about this. They really mm. do want to talk about it." Um, cause as soon as they know you're cool, they start talking about it to your Oh point. yeah. Definitely. Yeah. And then people have told me that infidelities, they're no, not that I have an orgasm. It means massive secrets. They haven't told their best friends or, or their right. partners in the first meeting with me. It's like, from <laughs> yeah, unload. <laughs> Definitely. It's liberating. It's great to find somebody that you can You'd be like, ah, oh, especially somebody that's expert like you, like they can actually provide good information and rebuttal to those things, you know? Well, I find that those comments or messages or even face-to-face kind of uh, experiences, I've, I see them as messages from the universe to tell me that I'm on the right path, that I'm doing something good because I, I have to kind of deal with that challenge every single day, you know, of the, of the judgment. And it has, you know, 
it's not easy, which comes to my next question, Evan. How do you find working in a fun sector? Does it make sex less fun? For example, when I was a student, I, I did lots of waitressing jobs. I said, never pizza. I'm not doing a pizza place because that's my favorite dish and I do not want to ruin it. <laughs> <laughs> totally, totally. So how's this been for you, like working in something that you thought was a fun like pastime before and now it's a, your job? I mean, how is this? You know, I mean, I, it's a great question. I would say for me, it has been very, you know, expansive, right? So alongside of my sexual journey, I continued my personal development journey and, you know, psychedelics and microdosing and learning how to fine tune the body. So I'm like, the company will only go as far as we as leaders are willing to stretch and learn and grow and be able to offer. So, so it's been, it's been fun. I, I can't say that it's not being fun, but what I will say is that, you know, as a founder in, in any company or a, a entrepreneur running your own business, you work a lot more than you think you will at a regular job. So that part, I will say that uh, I work hard and play hard and I've been enjoying that. And then you're the mom. So you have that like double life too, um, a little bit. Um, but I, but I do manage to still enjoy it. I haven't gotten sick of it yet. There's so much to learn. Like, oh, I'm yeah. still like, I'm like, I want to get into the yoga, Kundalini more and Tantra and some of those retreats. And, you know, I haven't done any of that yet, really. So. I find for me it's made it more challenging to to meet people who are who are not intimidated you know I mean the, yes. the ones who um the ones who aren't I mean you just see me as a normal person in my hoodie and no makeup and I, I like people to see through my job and see me you know yeah. but for, for many yeah. people it's very intimidating I don't feel like I can go on any dating apps or anything like that um, I mean it'd just be too shocking and, and I've had people like they think it's all really cool but then I've got a spare room with 700 sex toys and, and I've got sex toys right. everywhere you know and uh yeah. and suddenly it's not so cool or, or I've seen a lot of impotence in my bedroom you know floor pointers instead of ceiling pointers <laughs> <laughs> so it's been really challenging and, uh, and I'm not really I'm, I'm kind of at a moment in my life where I, I would like I'm, I broke up with someone a year ago I'm going to start working yeah. with a love coach this year because I'm thinking how am I going to do this because I mean I people make a lot of assumptions when you're in this industry that I yeah. That might that I'm open to swinging or promiscuity, which I'm not, which nothing wrong with that yeah. if, if that's what you want to do. Right. But I'm very different. I think I like someone, I want to know their, their surname. And, you know what I mean? I just sure. I, I want to feel, find a deeper connection. Cause I, for just um the physical thing, I've got ama amazing toys and my imagination. Right. And so, so I, I find it very challenging, you know, to to find someone who's going to understand this and not feel intimidated. Because I remember sometimes with my last relationship. I have to test toys and I'm kind of like not feeling like sex sometimes. You know I mean? yeah. <laughs> totally. I understand yeah. that. Yeah. yeah a little, so, like, I masturbated four times today. I think I'm good. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm just under one. I, was, I did a full moon. No, I'm, full I'm moon making today. a joke. All right. <laughs> making a joke. Like when you're testing toys, right? You're like, oh yeah. God, and another one. Actually, I did have one day like that. I reviewed like four toys in a row and I did video reviews and I'm, want to be authentic so I'm like I'm gonna play with myself with these two toys right before I do the review so I can be like you right. know fresh you know <laughs> and or in a state of orgasmic bliss so anyway yeah that was a fun day yeah I don't think I did have sex that night come to think of it <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think I did and also I'm getting into this kind of like spirituality kind of spiritual masturbation thing so 
I was thinking, um, which is very fascinating. Um, but then I was thinking, I'd rather have sex with myself on this deep thing than just be mm. just do it in, out, in, out, shake it all about kind of thing with the partner, just, you know, relationship maintenance yeah. sex. I just wasn't, <laughs> wasn't into that. So yeah, so you weren't like, feeling it. Yeah. It's also very, cause there's a lot of, you know, expectations that people think, cause you're with a sex expert that you're going to be like having loads of sex every night. But if, if it's a couple's toy, I'm like, come on. <laughs> Well, you know what, somebody, I, I what you just said is really powerful because, you know, even as a sex expert, we go through phases like and I, I wouldn't have ever thought I was going to call myself a sex expert. I really call myself more of like a sex advocate, like a sexuality mm-hmm. advocate. But, you know, I've learned some things and I, I but I go to I broke up with somebody. I'm like, I, I don't want to touch another man right now. Like, I just don't. Like, I need some time by myself and I'm going to go do some fun things and go to fun places and work out and play tennis and masturbate when I want to. And like, oh, you know, like I just so it doesn't matter how sexperty we are. We go through like emotions and life changes that affect our desire, libido, you know, preference, fantasy at that moment. So we're not immune. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> if anything, we probably deal with it more, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so what was your biggest challenge when you created Please Me? Mm, my biggest challenge. I'm going to say that one of the most challenging aspects has been fundraising okay. um, due to all of, all of the reasons. I mean, we all know women get 3% of the financing that's out there for, for entrepreneurship, which is tiny anyway. Um, and then add to that a company that's sexually focused, that is wanting to allow for uncensored content to be available to only adults, you know, um, and you get some pretty uh, res- people that have money that are pretty reserved and say, we like the idea, we know you want to help the world, and we know that, you know, this is really going to have power to heal people's lives, but, mm. you know, it's sexuality. I'm like, yes. <laughs> Yes, it is. So that's not the right investor. So it's just finding that right uh, vibe and tribe in the financing world, you know, because I think we're starting to see that expand with cannabis investors and people that are investing into psychedelics. There's more, you know, interest in solving real problems and getting people their health and their spirituality and their love, you know, fixes. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of the um, language has a big influence as well, because I mean, language that we use around sexuality has changed a lot since I've been in this industry. And, you know, now the word, the term sex toy is becoming a little bit taboo or a little bit vulgar. And people are saying sexual wellness products or something like that. That surely yeah. should help things. Yeah. And people using the word intimacy instead of like couple sex, you know, there's a lot of ways that make it seem yeah. like shocking. Yeah. Yeah, just a little more mild version of the truth. <laughs> I mean, yes, I, I totally agree. I think people are saying pleasure products too, because instead of sex toy, because it's not just a toy, it is really, you know, an, a medical device in mm. essence. I mean, I came, I came from the medical device area and the things that you have to prove to make something a medical device is that it has a positive impact and that it's needed in order to for people to get that right and a sex toy definitely does those things 
I mean, we know for a fact what orgasms do with serotonin and, and all the feel-good hormones and how they impact our sleep and our anxiety and our depression and our heart and our immune system. So I would call it a medical device, even ones that are made well, that aren't yeah. pieces of crap, you know. Um, and there are some that are actually medical devices that are helping, you know, the pelvic floor, but you still can have an orgasm doing Kegels, right? Like, yeah, yeah, definitely, you know, so, um, but yeah, I think those changes help. Um, I think the other really difficult thing was I, even though I, I, even though I was in it and I lived it, I guess once you kind of move to the other side of something, you forget how much resistance there is in people that are still there. I don't know if that makes sense. You know, like when I was so afraid to, to buy a sex toy or to masturbate or to communicate what I wanted or that I, that I wanted anything, you know, that feeling of, I don't know where to go. I don't know if I should say something, if I shouldn't say something, am I okay? Should I, like, I want to have a better outcome here, but where do I really go? And even when people would say, hey, you know, do you want to do this? I was still so afraid to talk about the sexual traumas I had had, you know, as a child or the rapes that, it had, you know what I mean? Like those, those deeply pushed down things are in a lot of people. And so that resistance to sex, um, I guess the breakthrough level is a lot higher than I thought it would be in the general population. If that makes sense. Bringing people yeah, yeah. over, you know, is harder basically than I thought it would be definitely I think that so many people have have um, some sort of sexual trauma and even myself included and I always used to kind of repress these these feelings mm. and and anytime I saw someone in the news who'd been through something I just kind of like haven't seen that haven't seen that but then when the me too thing happened it was just so in your face you couldn't ignore it and now I, I yeah. it's actually helped me to process my own um yeah. traumas which is uh quite interesting just to realize that it's everywhere and it's kind of like gives yeah. me I kind of feel now that it's given me a, an extra sense of understanding or empathy yeah. you know trying to process what's happened but not not be so afraid of it you know correct mm -hmm. and I think it's just and I, I know this sounds terrible because who wants to not be alone when it comes to being abused but my point is like Oh, it wasn't just me. I wasn't, I didn't deserve it. You know how we, people end up making themselves mm. responsible somehow, even if they're five or six, like that little mind, that trauma, you know, response in the brain, which changes your adult identity development. Like you're literally the development you were going to have just got shifted. Right. And we have to be able to shift it back to create a new identity. That's scary. Right. Cause the pain was for most people pretty strong but that's why I think um you know one of the one of the things I want to focus on for for please me for like new members is just like really getting them to ask questions about this area of their life and understanding why it's important to give it some focus and to not have it fractionally pushed over here to the side like it's not part of your whole entire being you know mm -hmm. like my sexuality is over here, but my, my work, my, co you know, every family, it's all over here, but my sexuality is over here. Like, no, it's, it's part of <laughs> you're still the same being. <laughs> you got to bring that integration in. And in order to do that, you got to understand it and love it and talk to it and, you know, have it be, I guess, progressing, right? So dynamic sexuality. Have it, we're going to be going through different things, whether it's menopause or pregnancy or um, 
losing an over, over, there's so many things as women alone that we get, we get to experience, right. That -hmm. affect our sexuality. And so nobody gave us a manual and said, here, here you go. This is how you do it. You know? Um, and so taking that time to go, where am I at with what I enjoy? Where am I at with my core beliefs? Are they serving me? Basically, it's a very simple question. Is sex currently having a positive impact on my life or is it having a negative impact on my life? I mean, that's really where everybody I think can start. So it's a new way to look at sex positive. Mm, definitely. <laughs> I read this book. Yeah, like- I read this book called um, Living an Orgasmic Life. Have you heard of it? By Janet no. Haylett. Let me just get it from my bookshelf. My sex. Yeah. Where is it? Oh. Highly recommend it. It's. Um, I was attracted to the title, obviously, "Living an Orgasmic yeah. Life: Heal Yourself yeah. and Awaken Your Pleasure." And it's written by a woman who she's called. And I don't have to pronounce her name properly. Janet with the X. Haylett. Mm. Okay. Um, basically, she. Um, it, it's, I thought this is going to be a really light, frivolous read. No, it wasn't. It talks about trauma, attachment styles. Yeah. <gasps> I kind of was almost traumatized by the first half of it is about getting over your trauma. And then it gets into the pleasure side of like sensuality and tantra yeah. meditation and things like that. Because this chapter blocks to intimacy. So I found it very, yeah. very hard going. And some people I know who are also survivors found it quite difficult as well. But the, um, the author, she had her sexual awakening at the age of 51 after being in a sexless marriage for 25 years. So her own story is fascinating. Wow. And one of the yeah. chapters starts saying, imagine if I told you the best sex of your life is still ahead of you. I was like, wow, I hope yeah. so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the best is yet to come, babe. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah. it's really, really interesting. And she's um in California, if you ever go there, she's mm-hmm. quite she's gonna, she's um the forward is by Emily Morse, The Sex with Emily. So check oh, her out. This is a, such a great Emily. book. It's such a great oh, book. Oh, totally. Yeah, it's got great reviews as well, but it's very unsettling for me sometimes. And then it got um, got more orgasmic as it, as it went on. But uh, As it went on. Well, and doesn't it truly, when you start to address your traumas, your life does get more orgasmic as you go along. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I mean, I mean, there's a kind of a metaphor, but um, yeah. I mean, I agree 100%. It, it radically changed my life when I addressed those. Mm-hmm. That was the biggest, biggest step. And to the point where, I mean, I wouldn't even tell my, nobody knew those things happened to me. Mm-hmm. Now I talk about it in open air, you know, basically broadcast style, yeah. which I thought I would never do. Like if anybody asked me about it, I tell the whole story. Yeah. But there was a time in 30 some years, I never told my mother. I never told anybody in my family. Nobody knew. Mm, that's why I find that I find that there's so, so many people have these stories that help me with my own mm-hmm. so I just felt like it was more normal in a yeah. bad way <laughs> it kind of like it was easy to deal with kind of thing yeah really. yeah you don't feel so alone like oh my god maybe there's people I can talk to about this maybe they know how I feel maybe they felt the same way you know maybe they have something that might help me maybe they're further along in their journey yeah or maybe I am. about consent so much it's so important that we, that we yes. talk about consent there's such a big topic yeah Yeah, well that's part of the five pillars I I go over what I say are the five pillars that you should really make sure you're fine-tuning or addressing and one of it is boundaries and communication which of course is essentially Mm -hmm. consent right knowing your boundary and being able to communicate it Mm 
and also communicating um, your triggers like things that can trigger mm. you know some some kind of things that you've lived in a, a non-consensual situation because I think sometimes yeah. um, from what I've my my experience I and mean, I'm not really a porn lover and I found that some guys just assume that just because you're naked in bed with them that they can do whatever they want and they can reenact yeah. some porn film and spit on you and slap you around and it's like hang on a minute did I tell right. you I wanted this you know we think there needs to be right. more con- conversations about about what's uh, what's okay and what's not okay you know well that is what I loved about BDSM when I started that's where I started my exploration was that world. And I love that five point contract that mm. they go over before you enter a scene. And I thought to myself, why are we not doing something more like this with every sexual Absolutely. interaction? Like what, do you have anything I should know about that would, you know, cause you pain? Like you have a neck issue, you have, you know, like, is there any health issue that I need to know about before we go into this? Number one, you know, mm. um, and number two, what, what are your hard limits? What are your on your absolute yes list, which of these toys do you want to play with? Which of these toys do you not want to play with? I mean, like, it was great. I was like, this is, wait, what are we doing? (laughs) This is fantastic. Like, I was like, by the end of it, I felt safe Yeah. to just put myself in that Dom's hands, who, by the way, I found out was 22. Wow. I thought he was like 26. (laughs) And I was like, and when he told me his age, he saw my face turn white as a sheet. And he was an instructor at uh, a studio in LA. And his name was um, Sour Patch Kid. But anyway, when he finally, and I met him at the Folsom Street Festival, I went out there for work, you know, at a, at a, a networking event in one of the dungeons. Anyway, um, he, yeah, he, he by the t- I mean, literally he went through his whole bag. He must've spent an hour and 20 minutes talking to me before we went into the scene and I had the most amazing time. And I even got over the fact that he was so young. You know what I mean? Like, I'd, which normally I wouldn't have been able to get over. Like, no, I have a son older than that. Or my son was a little, like one year younger than that at that time. You know? And I'm like, uh, uh, I wish you would not have told me that. I was already freaking out about 26, you know, in my yeah. mind. That's what I thought. That's what I thought the, of the job is a networking in dungeons. <laughs> Yeah, networking in dungeons. I mean, it was at a street festival for, you know, Folsom, which is, have you been to Folsom out in San Fran? It's one of the largest leather and fetish events um, in the world. And it's just, it's just just fun. There's lots of costumes and personality styles. And it's largely more of an LGBTQ plus festival. But um that heterosexual people go to you know that are into fetish but I find this pretty amazing with um, even though some I'm not into all types of sexual expression I do I'm a real voyeur so I've you know through press content uh, contacts I've always been invited to many different events and parties and stuff and I've just gone along just to see and it's just I find it fascinating to see how other people have sex even though I might not want to join in but I mean I'm just like wow (laughs) it's amazing yeah fun to watch yeah Yeah. I mean it's also like how we learn too and and I think what how do we know what what is right for us unless we see it and go that's not right for me Mm -hmm. yeah but as long as I don't have to do it yeah (laughs) it's not so unpleasant that I don't I can't be around it and sometimes it is and you're like no not doing that again no I always tell people I'm 
try sexual, I'll try anything twice. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Twice. Great. Yeah. I think what attracted me to this sector in the the beginning was just the matter of fact, how people discuss things in a very matter of fact way. And I've I've been brought up with lots of taboo. So that's what I really you can be in a in a fetish party and people are whipping each other but you're having a work conversation with an editor next to them I just kind of love those contrasts totally (laughs) yeah and I also noticed when you go to those um, events whether it was lifestyle or lifestyle I mean you know BDSM or more of a swinging poly environment it was so different than going to the bar, you know, as a woman and feeling like all the other women are competing with you for the men in the, like that whole high school, you know, nightclub scene that, you know, who's the hottest girl in the place kind of feeling. Whereas when you would go to these parties, it was ever, the women were like, hi, nice to meet you. I'm, you know, so-and-so tell me about yourself. I was very pleasantly surprised to see that that was the general vibe and that it was much more, um, less competitive I would call it like you know if that makes sense more friendly and it felt like mm-hmm. more friendly more genuinely friendly authentically mm-hmm. friendly um than when I was out like at the clubs you know growing up mm-hmm. in the dating scene you know music scene party scene let's call it what it is when I was in the party scene <laughs> <laughs> so I hope you're working with joyful reviews is that correct yeah, Joyful Reviews is a company out of Hungary that created a technology that will house um, both podcast, video, and blog reviews for products that are currently censored on other networks. So, like, I don't know how many of your fans have experienced, you know, things that are no longer available on YouTube or that are restricted or that you can't watch, you know, on other platforms because of censorship mm-hmm. um, of sex and sexuality. And so more and more people are having a hard time educating on those topics, right? And getting useful information to people's hands. And then of course, people in the industry who have knowledge can create reviews and share that out in the world and, and make some commissions, which, which everything today is online and creator economies where people can work from home and do what they love and, and make some money educating and, and helping the world in some way. So pleasure coaches and experts can do reviews and send them out there and we've all we've all done this for years in the affiliate marketing we just used to use little links right but this provides much more like dynamic um, review experience so and then you can also ask the reviewer a question so there's a way to like get in contact with the reviewer and um and uh, and your fans can share it out and they make a little money for sharing it so it kind of feeds into the economy and the education that please me is really keen on helping to promote right in the world is that a piece of education because I think what makes sex so scary or things like buying a sex toy like unpleasant is you just you don't know how to ask questions about you know you want to maybe you're even too embarrassed to ask questions about it right so then they go unanswered and then you get something that wasn't really the right match for what you were looking for um so this way they can explore and learn and listen and get different perspectives from different people um, before they buy. So hopefully they'll make better, better purchasing decisions and learn some stuff along the way. I mean, when I do my reviews, I always add in some like tips and pointers and good things to know um, that I wish I would have known before I bought the toy, you know? Absolutely, because the toys are not cheap. So people need to- Yeah, they're getting, yeah. They're getting up there. You know, yeah. but they're also getting pretty fun. Like they've got some yeah. pretty cool 
features and bells and whistles. But yeah, like a, I think the average price now is $73. Wow. So what's, your, what's your favorite toy then that takes my next question do you have a favorite toy at this moment or I do I do I have I'm a wand girl I'm okay. I like I like power vibrator mm-hmm. um yes and I like edging so for people that that let that why would go why would you want a power tool because I like to edge I like to drive <laughs> myself crazy and then back off you know drive myself crazy but the, honestly I use um a lot of times, um, it depends on like what I'm doing. Like when we're going out, it's fun to use some of the teledildonics oh, toys yeah. where your where your partner can play with you. So those can be really fun too. But like, what do I use the most? You know, would be that that wand. Any particular um, wand? I like uh, low wand is okay. is one of the ones I like um, because I, it's just so easy to use in the buttons. But I also like O wand, which came out of England. I oh my it. god i was talking I about for that. years that was my top five for like 2017 2018 so i make top five videos at the end of the yeah. year and that was a three-year consecutive my top five. Oh yeah but that i call it it's amazing oh i love it i call it my husband yeah and the other reason i love it it's a little stronger than the lawand and it also of course is completely encased in silicone so it's waterproof Mm. And I broke my other Lawand because I brought it to a sex party and somebody else used it and they washed it and it has like, you know, that that neck there. So I think water got down into the the wand and it wasn't a cheap toy. So yeah. it would kind of suck to lose that. I mean, it's my fault for letting my husband wander around a sex party, but alone. <laughs> but you know at the same time um I was like, dang, I have to buy another one. But I did. I did buy another one because I do really like. Uh, the Lawan turns on and off like with ease. The O wand, you have to hold the button down for like three seconds. And then like I find myself in the throw. When I'm in the throws, I just want to hit the button. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Turn it off. <laughs> Not worry about figuring it out, holding it down for three seconds. Also, if someone so, interrupts you, it's important, you know, if someone if your phone rings. Yeah. You like, gotta be like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I love um, it. The Lawanda's amazing as well because it's a three-hour battery or something. So you get a lot of orgasms out of it, you know? Oh, my God. It's so powerful, too. I mean, it's just that thing. And that handle, you're right, is so cool. Mm-hmm. I could just love it. Yeah, because it's, it's like a hug. Because the way you hold it is, like, different. You know, when it's yeah. curved. It's, it's really, really yeah. good. Yeah. I do like G-Spot. Um, I do like G-Spot simulators as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, at times depending like if I'm playing with myself more, I like to use something inside and outside. I like dual orgasms. What you could so do is I'll use have Kegel balls and the O wand at the same time with the Ooh. jiggle ball. Cause then it, when you have the orgasm, okay. like, woo, like kind of shaking inside. Ooh, I'm going to try that. I have, um, I have one from, Oh my God, they just sent me a sample and I, I need to do a review on that. So I'm going to do that. I'm going to get my wand out and my Kegel balls and try that. thank you what a great idea let me know how it goes i will will. a few quick questions um what is the book that changed your life oh the road less traveled by m scott peck when i was 18 years old see how long that took me oh wow i remember that i remember that book it was i had broken my wrist snowboarding and somebody said you should read the road less traveled and i read it and i said I'm going out and I'm going to travel the world. 
Like, even though that's not really, it's not about going out and traveling. <laughs> the road less traveled is taking a path that's not like beaten, you know, off the beaten path sometimes. But I just really, it empowered my belief in creating your own reality and not being afraid and, you know, tapping into the spiritual, the physical, the mental, emotional triad of health and, and just going out there and giving it your best shot kind of a thing. Um, and I remember the first line is life is difficult. The sooner you realize that life is difficult, the easier it becomes. Oh, wow. And I thought, I thought, oh, how apropos, you know, it's, it's in the complaining about the difficulty and the expecting life to be simple that we get disappointed. Right. And then we get stuck in that disappointment. But if you're not expecting it to be always butterflies, rainbows and ease, and it's not so shocking when every once in a while you get a little bump of difficulty, you know. Um, so yeah, that was that was definitely one. Fantastic. Have you read it again over the years, or or just read once? Something you read it? Yeah, I I have read that book. Um, I think three separate times over, like, but usually long periods in between. Um, the other book I read frequently is. Um, well, it was originally written in the early 1800s by uh, a gentleman, a man. And so, of course, it's written as, as a man thinketh, but they've redone it and have it as a woman thinks, like changing all the pronouns so that it can also be um, appropriate for either of those two genders. And I'm like, we should just make it as a person thinketh at this point. Like, you know, <laughs> we could gender neutral it out. But, but that was a very... Um, very impactful book for me and and then the four agreements probably oh i need to read that four agreements because that's been on my list for a while yeah 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 as a man think it's really deep like you have to read a page and then stop like just think about it for a while um and there's one little tiny book i got at a chinese herbal shop in chinatown new york and it's written by a yogi and it's called um Oh my God, I want to say something like a return to love. I know that's not it. That's Marianne Williamson, but it's very similar um, to that type of idea. And it was just the smallest book and it, it was so impactful. I'll, 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 I'll let you know when I get home because I'm right now in Miami, but I have the book. I carry it with me, actually. Was it the Tao Te Ching or something? The, the Tao no. No, it, it was a red book and it was written by one yogi who studied oh. under Yogananda. I forget which Yogananda. And um, it was, yeah, I can't believe I can't think of the name of it. I'm just having a fart. And I bought it and given it to other people. You know what I mean? Like that's one of those books where I'm like, you got to have this one. Okay. Is it a small uh, book or a big book? It's not, it's not the, oh, okay. Ah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Do you have a quote that you live by, a quote or an affirmation that you use a lot? Yeah, I say health begins in the mind and education is the key. And when I moved into sexual health, I just said sexual health begins in the mind and education is the key. I mean, it really doesn't change um, a lot. And so I, I really, for me, it's about people being empowered and education empowers you to change things that you're not happy with right so if we want to live our best lives and we we should always remain students of whatever it is that we're looking to focus on at that time right um so for me that that's a big one okay so where can people yeah. find you 
Well, for sure on pleaseme.com, they can follow my channel, Heather C. Montgomery. Um, I'm also on LinkedIn for business. And then the other place um, is on Twitter. Um, and I'm I'm on some of the other social media, but like it's there, but I haven't posted in a long time on Instagram and Facebook. I just, I don't see the point with all the censorship and all my friends getting deleted and me not getting to see the content that I really want to see. I don't. I don't really want to continue to spend my time in that environment. So I go there like when I have to. <laughs> what about LinkedIn then? Because LinkedIn, I don't LinkedIn, yeah. LinkedIn for business. So if if we're you're in the pleasure industry and you want to collaborate with with Please Me, we we love that. You know, we're here to support everybody um, in 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 re- exchange. Like we need to support each other, right? To mm-hmm. to make this change in the world, it's going to take all of us. So um, that's a good place for for business collaborations. Yeah. Please me is the best place to like connect with me on a more personal level. And please with a Z or a Z, as you say. Yeah, with a yeah. Z for privacy, P-L-E-A-Z-E-M-E.com. Yeah. Cool. Thank you so much for this interview. It's been very thought-provoking. Yeah, thank you for having me. It's like like one of my crushes, like I've been watching you as an educator for four years and like I want to work with Venus owner so thank you for finally um you know having time for me oh it's a pleasure the book I'm reading now is coffee with Colby 365 days of fresh brewed spirit inspiration and this is written by Colby Rebel and she is an international psychic medium and the number one best-selling author of Psychic Senses and Leap of Faith. She also has a podcast called Coffee with Colby, and I'm actually going to be interviewing her for this podcast in a couple of weeks. I've interviewed so many people for this podcast, and I'm very excited about interviewing a psychic. I'm very attracted to the world of psychics, and I think um, I did actually visit a psychic healer last summer, and I found that the the experience to be enlightening, (laughs) very interesting. And I do feel as though I have a little bit of a psychic gift or I'm very in tune with my own intuition. And this kind of feeling is growing in me every single day. And I'm very excited about speaking to Colby Rebel when we actually do we have our interview in a couple of weeks. So I'm I'm very much looking forward to that. I'm hoping that she will give me a small reading during the interview, which is going to be exciting. And I think um, you have to be open-minded to kind of, um, to believe this kind of stuff. I think um, a lot of people don't believe psychics, other people do, and some people can actually believe them too much and become um, reliant on them for, for some reason. Oh, well, I guess like people, I guess we're all looking for answers outside of ourselves when actually we can find a lot of answers within. And this book is quite interesting because it says 365 days of fresh brewed spirit inspiration. And the idea is that you can read um, a small message from spirit every day and read it in order. And that would be for a year, 365 days. Or you can actually use it as a divination tool and you can just literally open the book at any given page and and just think that's your message from the universe for the day. And I kind of like doing it that way, really, rather than going it through it in order. I'm going to do a quick open now on a random page. And I'm going to read a message for you all. Let's see. Open. Okay. 144. 
When you uphold your boundaries, there will be those that don't like it and may find ways to make you feel less than them or to make you feel selfish because they need that to justify their motivation. See them for who they are and release them with love. Surround yourself with those that honour you. What a great message. I've actually been thinking about that today. Actually, I saw someone else's um, Twitter today, not Twitter, sorry, Instagram, Leola, who is um, someone I interviewed a few months ago, and she is has a Tantra podcast, and she was sharing a post about a cord-cutting um, meditation, which is something I have done a few times, actually, in my life. I felt, and this kind of actually has a similar message, this the one I've just read right now, and I think it's interesting or kind of, it's a fascinating process to ha- do this pr- um, meditation where you actually imagine the person who is kind of bothering you or criticizing you or making you feel bad about yourself somehow and and or, or, so cons- or someone who could be overstepping or your boundaries or not respecting them. And I think, um, you know, part of us, the ego wants to kind of like say, oh, I'll show them or, or kind of be nasty to them or exclude them somehow or make them feel bad because they're making you feel bad. But really, it's much better to approach it with love and kind of let go and release people with love and and gratitude. And that sometimes can be very difficult to do. But I found that if you are able to do that, sometimes when these people come back into your thoughts or into your life, it's they suddenly become less bothersome. I mean, I've had a few experiences like that where I mean, given my profession as a sexual wellness content creator, I've had a lot of criticism in my life, a lot of people judging me. And I don't care about people who are online who don't know me making comments. I mean, that's kind of, that's part and parcel of the job. But when it's people that know me and and really know who I am and have grown up with or they've been friends for a long time, and that's when it really, really hurts. And I've had to actually step away from some friendships and relationships um, with people like that. And then part of me was very kind of like, oh, I'm going to show them how important I am. But then actually, when I actually did this exercise where you just imagine this person and you imagine this cord between you and you imagine, you, or you can, there's several ways of doing it. What you, you can kind of put your fingers like scissors and start cutting this cord, cut, 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 until you feel that that cord no longer exists and you send them love and gratitude because at the end of the day I think um, people who come into our lives even though they might feel help make us feel a little bit uncomfortable they're always teaching us a lesson so that's something to um to consider but going back to the world of psychics and mediums um the the part the medium part makes me a little bit um it it doesn't feel so good to me I mean I don't really feel that I need to contact anyone who has passed in my life I'm not really interested in that to be honest I'm more interested in just um, picking up energies and um, kind of knowing, I think it's really tapping into the intuition, which is how I view the world of psychics. But I guess we will speak to a psychic to find out more. But I think it's more about um, taking away these obstacles that can be between us and our own intuition and knowing what is right for us. Because I think we have a lot of wisdom naturally, but sometimes it can be hard to find it. But in terms of um, contacting people who've passed or sending messages and stuff, I don't really, that doesn't really sit too comfortably with me. I, I would always want to just kind of let people rest in peace and um, and not really think about 
think about um, trying to contact someone now or thinking of their presence around me. Those feel a little bit creepy to me, to be honest. Um, but I'm not really... I'm sure it's maybe not so dark as what I'm painting it to be right now. But um, I, I do actually... I'm actually starting to do my own tarot readings every morning now, which I find to be kind of fun, a part of my morning routine. I wake up in the morning and now I am... Um, I've started a dream journal, which is really interesting after Heather telling us about her having a um, massive, incredible business inspiration through a dream. And um, I, I just started my dream journal a couple of days before I interviewed her. And I think sometimes um, if you are spiritual, sometimes you can f um, have messages or receive messages through dreams. And also, so I'm, the first thing I do in the morning now is... Um, uh, write down the dream I've had because they're always very vivid and then I do a card reading of the of tarot and then I read what the meaning is and it seems to be kind of working out uh, it kind of is truth every day I read I have a card in the morning and that does kind of dictate the day it might it might be something and um, that I'm kind of subconsciously making happen as well but it seems uh it's kind of like a fun, fun thing, um, fun way to start the day at least. And I was a bit scared of a tarot for a long time. I had the, a deck uh, that was given to me after a TV appearance a few years ago, and it took me a long time to get back into it. But now I'm not really scared of any cards anymore because I remember a few years ago I used to do these readings of past, present, and future three cards. And I remember once, um, I think the, the the future card was moon or something that came up. And I, well, and I read the meaning of it. I wasn't really too excited about it. And then I did it again and the same cards came up. I, shot, I was like, no, no, let's do another reading. And the same cards came up again like three times. I thought, hmm, there must be a message here for me to, to learn. So I think it's a, a fun way to kind of tap into your intuition. I also did, did a pendulum course last year and I haven't actually been inspired to start using that yet but um, I think all of these things can help us um, connect with ourselves and answer our questions um, but also it is always a lot of fun to to actually be in contact with a psychic and have your own questions or actually when I have been to psychics or people like that in the past I, I, I tend to not really ask anything um, I like to have them come up with messages for me and, and so that I know that I'm not influencing it that much. I, I feel it's a bit more authentic that way. Unless you have a burning question, of course, then that might be a little bit different. But anyway, and also I'm enjoying reading these these messages from the universe from this book in the morning when I have my coffee. And I will wonder what tomorrow's message will be. So that is Coffee with Colby, 365 days of fresh brewed spirit inspiration with Colby Rebel and I'll be interviewing her in a few weeks. Now it's time to slow things down as we prepare for this episode's guided affirmations meditation. It's probably not a good idea to listen to this while driving or operating machinery. Instead, take a break from whatever you're doing, get comfortable, take a deep breath and enjoy. I take care of myself. 
To find out more about me and my orgasmic lifestyle, visit venusohara.org or follow me on Instagram at instagram.com slash venusohara. Make sure to search for the Orgasmic Lifestyle Podcast by Venus O'Hara in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, 
and Google Podcasts or anywhere else podcasts are found. Make sure to click subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. Thanks for listening. Have an orgasmic week and make sure every day is a climax.